The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmolzer. Our guest today is Jim Adler, who is founding managing director of Toyota AI Ventures. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hi, Jim, and welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you on today. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your role at Toyota AI Ventures and why Toyota is investing in artificial intelligence. Sure. So Toyota AI Ventures is Toyota's first standalone venture capital fund. We were founded last July with $100 million that's focusing on artificial intelligence and data and cloud as it applies to autonomous mobility and robotics. We're a subsidiary of Toyota Research Institute. And so our mission is really to help talented entrepreneurs all over the world use AI to improve the quality of human life and really help these early stage companies help develop their disruptive technologies and business models and bring them to market quickly. Yeah, that definitely sounds good. As you know, there's a lot of heat and activity happening in AI markets as a whole across the board, and especially with startup activity. It's definitely the place to be right now if you've got some great technology and part of the cutting edge. So I'm curious, you know, how do you view investments in AI and maybe the, the range and scope of some of those investments? And what are some of the recent and perhaps more intriguing investments you've made recently? In general, the climate for investing in AI-centric startups. Yeah, like, but as you know, that there's so much going on in AI, and we're seeing it across the board. And people often think that, oh, Toyota, we're just focusing on car applications and car technologies. It's not really true. We're really looking at foundational technologies as well as applications to areas that you wouldn't really necessarily think about with respect to Toyota. For example, one of our investments is in Intuition Robotics, which is a social companion for older adults. So it helps them really suggest time to take their medicine or take a walk. And it's also proactive. So it doesn't talk to you when you talk to it. It also will be engaged in proactive conversation, which the company has realized that older adults really can ward off dementia and recover from injuries more quickly if they're socially engaged. And so much of our society is getting increasingly isolated as they grow older. It's really exciting to see this kind of technology really help older adults age in place. And if you look at the United States with the baby boomer bubble, 20% of our population will be over 65 in 20 years. And in Japan, it's much worse. 40% will be over 65 in 20 years. 25% of the population is that old now. So this is an amazing application that you wouldn't necessarily associate with Toyota, but we think is so important to helping those that are really most at need in our society. And we feel this technology can really help. So that's one deal that we're really excited about. There's others across the gamut we're doing. We just did a really exciting investment in Joby Aviation, which is an air taxi service. So think about a ride hailing service, but it flies. So think about, I'm here in the Bay Area and in California, so you consider the Bay Area to San Francisco often can take an hour and a half in traffic. Think about it. Think about that trip taking 10 minutes and costing the same price as an Uber or a Lyft. And it's an amazing vehicle, all electric, and we're really excited about that application. 
And then we have some kind of drone kind of applications as well. We did investment in Slamcore that's in London. And often drones can't fly without GPS. So this is a simultaneous localization and mapping technology that actually allows drones to use cameras to figure out where they are. They don't need GPS. They could just use the cameras that are normally on these drones to figure out where they are. There's also a great application to low-power computing because you don't have to take a high frame rate video if you don't need it. So you can lower the frame rate if the scene isn't changing so quickly and then increase the frame rate if the scene is changing quickly. And that could really lower your power requirements, which is very important for applications like drones and self-driving cars. Yeah, those are very interesting companies you're talking about. So it sounds like that, you know, you guys are investing outside of traditional Toyota areas, which would be cars and manufacturing. Can you tell us why you're doing that? Absolutely. So if you look at the history of Toyota, we weren't always a car company, right? We actually started as an industrial loom making company. So loom is a cloth weaving machine. Uh And we pivoted to cars in the 1930s. And that pivot worked out pretty well. And now the company is realizing that with all this disruption that's happening in the marketplace and AI and automotive particularly, it's important to understand what might be next for Toyota. And so when Toyota Research Institute was established in January 2016, it had a research mission around self-driving cars and robotics and materials but also a mission to discover what's next for Toyota. And AI Ventures really came out of that mission to tap into the disruption that's happening in the marketplace, certainly in the technology side, but also around business models to discover what might be next for Toyota. Would it be robots in the home as Intuition Robotics is doing out of Israel or what Slamcore is doing out of London or what May Mobility, another one of our microtransit autonomous services is doing out of Ann Arbor? So startups are really experiments in the marketplace, and many startups don't pan out. They fail. And we will learn from those mistakes, and we will celebrate the successes of those that do well. But either way, we'll learn. And I think that will help inform what's next for Toyota. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, one of the things that you're mentioning about investing is that these are a lot of experiments. So I'm actually kind of curious, are you investing mostly in really early stage startups, you know, even down to the seed stage level? Or are you investing in startups that have kind of already maybe proven themselves a little bit in the market? I'm kind of curious as to sort of what phase your investment usually is in. Great question. We are quite early stage. So seed and series A, done a little bit of B, but because we are so aligned with Toyota Research and we have hundreds of researchers and engineers focused on these kinds of technologies, it really gives us a tremendous advantage to understand where the holes are in the technology, what needs to be developed, and where the opportunities might be. They're also great for helping us with due diligence and supporting our portfolio companies. So we first started with early stage investment. We're not going to end there, I think we'll continue to expand into later stages. Of course, you always, when you're in venture capital, you want to and really need to support your companies as they grow. And so we, of course, do that. But we might actually, in future funds, make later stage investments. Okay, great. Okay. So switching gears a little to the auto industry, what are some challenges that you've been seeing with adopting AI technologies into the auto industry? Yeah. So what's fascinating about AI coming to automotive is really a corollary to what Mark Andreessen laid out in 2011, I think it was 2011, the Wall Street Journal piece around software is eating the world. 
yeah, software is eating the world, and now cars are on the menu. And so the auto industry has to become certainly more software literate, but there's actually a corollary to that, which is software isn't being written anymore with just lines of code. It's actually being written with data. And artificial intelligence is the new software that's being written with data. So the auto industry needs to become more data native. And if you look at the companies that have done well in this era of software, as Andreessen prophesied, that the best companies will be software companies. So the best content company may be a software company. And you're starting to see that with Netflix, for example, and Amazon. And so it could be that the best automotive companies are those that are very data literate and are data native. And you see that with Google Waymo and with Tesla and with even with Apple, who may be entering the market at some point. So it's important that the auto industry becomes data native before those data native companies become automotive. And we take that challenge very seriously. And we recognize that although the odds may be against us, we know that the auto industry has a tremendous moat around the business because it's so safety critical. It's really hard to build safe, reliable automobiles, and Toyota is the best in the market at it. So we have quite a bit of time, but it's important that we engage in this challenge with full hearts and clear eyes. Yeah. Well, speaking of data centricity, this is actually something we talk about a lot in our research in Cognolytica. We've been looking a lot, obviously, not just at AI as a broad sector, if you will, but also machine learning, obviously, much more specifically. And it's interesting what we're seeing, that there's a lot of machine learning projects that would sort of on their face not really even seem necessarily to be AI much at all. Like maybe experiments in predictive analytics, a lot of use of data science for sure, and machine learning techniques, but not necessarily that much AI. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, sort of what your thought is. Obviously, you see lots of companies, you see lots of pitches. You know, to what extent do you see people sort of just using AI perhaps maybe as a marketing gimmick or basically having a very thin amount of machine learning or AI capability and then branding their whole company as AI. I'm kind of curious as to where you're seeing AI as a buzzword, how machine learning kind of plays into it, whether machine learning can be done really not in the context of AI and that whole ball of wax. Yeah, I don't think you can fake it so much in automotive. And I hear what you're saying, because there's a tremendous amount of capital flowing to anything AI or machine learning that you just throw that into your pitch and you'll get funded. These technologies are enabling autonomous driving and safer driving. And so you really can't fake it. And if you look at, for example, one of our, my favorite portfolio companies is May Mobility because they're actually just, they built a full stack AI autonomous driving system that what we call level four, which is geofence. And they build mm-hmm. a service around it. They're not selling the stack. They're actually delivering a, a service for geofence enterprise campuses. You can't fake that because without AI, that service is not viable. And so what you want to do is you want to see applications where the AI is critical to opening up an entire new marketplace. And that's, it's really self-evident that when that occurs. And so we look for deals like that. I mean, Intuition Robotics is another good example. You can't learn the user's personality without AI over time. And you can't do it with rules. You can't just do it with just machine learning. You have to have much deeper understanding of the environment. One, one last example on this is 
if you deconstruct the AI stack for self-driving cars into perception of the environment, prediction of what objects will do in the environment, and then plan what the car will, needs to do, that middle layer prediction is really difficult. And that's because predicting what the cars around you will do and whether the pedestrians will cross against the light or not, and whether that bicyclist is going to change lane is a very difficult problem that actually has to learn human behavior. And I think we can all agree that human behavior is going to require some level of deep intelligence to do with any kind of expertise. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, and I liked how you had mentioned that, you know, you just mentioned that your company has a little bit of ML or AI and you get funded in this era. So it would be interesting to get your thoughts on the perception and adoption of AI and how it's changed in recent years at companies. Yeah. You know, so my last startup was this company called Metanotics, and it was a scale-out data analytics company, really a SQL, a distributed SQL engine that was founded by a Googler and a Facebooker. And I was the product executive there. And it was funded by Sequoia, great company, but it was really around SQL, right? The old SQL database Uh language, but it was scaled out across multiple processors connected to every piece of data in the enterprise so that anybody could run these tremendously laborious queries across any data set in the enterprise. And if you look at SQL in the enterprise, it's been here since the 70s. And the way I think about AI is it's almost like what happened in the 70s and 80s with SQL in the enterprise. For the first time, you're able to do these kinds of analyses, these kinds of star scheme queries with looking at different dimensionality and cubes and those kinds of breakdowns of, of your, say, your customer base. That transformed the enterprise. I think what you're going to see now is another transformation to another level of data literacy, as I said previously said, that enterprises are going to have to learn in order to be competitive in the years to come. And that means understanding data, understand how to use it, understand how to leverage it to move their business forward. Uh-huh. If they can't fake it, it has to be real. It has to move the business. And just like in the early days, it was, but there were some SQL skeptics. There are, right. of course, going to be AI skeptics. And that sort of gets to this plateau of productivity that we talk about after this trough of disillusionment. But we will get to that plateau, and then the enterprise will find real usefulness in the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's actually a really good segue here. I know that one of the things we've been thinking a lot about is, and I really like the way you put it together, AI is a combination of, I know you're talking about in the context of autonomous vehicles, of perception, prediction, and planning, but that actually really does a very good job of defining in general many of the goals of artificial intelligence, even if it's all happening virtually, whether it's in a chatbot environment or in some other environment, in an augmented intelligence environment. So I really like that way of framing AI, especially since we're seeing, we write a lot, you know, some applications of machine learning that are extremely narrow that are targeted to a particular thing. They use the predictive power of machine learning, but not necessarily any of the other two components, which are no ability to do planning and no ability to do perception. So I really like that because that's a really good way of framing it. But perhaps maybe as a last note then, you know, what do you believe the future is of AI in general and its application to corporations and beyond? 
Sure. I think we are at the very, almost at, I know this is cliche, but we're a little bit at the knee of the curve, I think. And robotics and AI have had many, I I think they call it AI winters or neural net winters, you know, where in the 90s, you know, and I was part of that. I was really interested in neural nets in the early 90s and my background's in engineering. And so I was very intrigued and excited about these technologies, but really the processing and the data really wasn't available to make them viable. But what we're seeing now and what I'm so excited about is we're seeing robotic applications that are actually performing a service that people want in the marketplace. That's a new thing. It's not just in the lab. It's just not with universities. It's not with grad students getting really excited. It's not just hobbyists. It's actually finding real application to deliver real value. And so if you look at certainly with automotive, I think you're going to see driving getting safer. So we're very much on the camp in Toyota of having the AI guard the driver in a system we call Guardian. 90% of crashes are caused by drunk, drowsy, or distracted driving. And we feel if the AI can make sure that the driver doesn't get into situations where a crash is imminent, that's going to make driving safer. And we're doing that now. We'll get better and better and better at it. And of course, autonomous driving will bring mobility to everyone. And that will improve and get better and better and better over the next several years and certain decades. And that will bring mobility to people that have trouble moving around, especially in vehicles. I mean, taking the keys away from your parents as they age is gut-wrenching. And there will be a future where you no longer have to do that. They just hop in the car and the car will take them where they need to go. Uh And that's incredibly powerful. If you look at other industries, I think you'll see robots in agriculture, which is really quite exciting. There's many tasks that are just drudgery and actually somewhat dangerous in agriculture, especially around spraying pesticides and fertilizers that are really ripe for autonomous technologies and robotic technologies. And I think it, it just you can just continue to, to think about these applications. We know that drones are really important. There was a gas explosion in San Bruno several years ago because pipes mm-hmm. had corroded. Putting robots through pipes to inspect them will just keep these systems safe and give us much earlier warning when they're corroding and they need maintenance. So these kinds of tasks that are tedious but critical, I think you'll see these technologies be deployed more and more into the marketplace, delivering value to society generally, but also pushing the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. It's actually interesting you mentioned that, the San Bruno incident, because there's actually a new startup that we, we've come across, Cognolitica's research, that can understand if there's, this has to do with water leakage. I don't know if you came across this company. They have an ML technique that can listen to the flow of water and understand if there's a leak in the pipe stream, even miles down the road, or understand if someone's like illegally tapped into uh, the water main. This is something, I guess, that happens in Brazil. So it's an interesting uh, company. And all they're doing is, you know, they're just listening. They put the microphones in there. They're doing, you know, basically a form of voice and audio processing and looking at patterns and things like that. It's really interesting. So I think you've really brought a lot of value here. We're really thrilled to have you on this podcast and just wanted to thank you for participating and being on this podcast with us. Great. Hey, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much, Jim. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. This podcast is sponsored by 
Fiverr.com. Fiverr is a marketplace for creative and digital freelance services. And in fact, I use Fiverr for quite a lot of the things that we do here at Cognolytica and AI Today, including the editing of this podcast, the generation of transcripts, and more. I definitely encourage you to take a look at using Fiverr for your creative and digital needs today. And I have a special offer for you today. Use the promo code AI Today for 15% off your first purchase on Fiverr.com. Offer valid until December 31st, 2018. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.